You're listening to Unite Unite 2011 with James Preston. What I want to get into this morning is I want to share with you around um, the new covenant. And uh, the title of what I'm going to share today is The New Covenant Empowers Us to Rule the World. And that's a pretty big statement. And a lot of you may, may think, whoa, I'm going to rule the world? Well, you, we've got to find out what it means. What does it mean to rule the world? And how's God going to do it? How's He going to do it through me? And what, what do you mean the new covenant empowers me to rule the world? I want to tell you guys that each and every one of you have a specific calling over your lives in a specific area here on this planet. A unique calling. God has called each and every one of you to something unique, to something special, to something perfectly suited to who you are, to everything that you've come out of, everything that you may have faced for the first however old you may be, 16, 17 years of your life, 18 years of your life, whatever you've come out of, God is going to use that and He's called you to something specific. He is going to use each and everything that you have been through and are going to go through to bring about transformation on this planet. You know, that's God's plan. Jesus came to earth and the disciples asked Him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We recognize that, you are, that you're the Son of God. We recognize that you're someone special. We recognize that you are God. So how, how, if you're God on earth, then teach us how we should pray to God when we talk to Him. And He opens up by saying, well, this is how you pray. He said, Our Father, who art in heaven, awesome is Your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And all of a sudden, this mind shift changes. The mindset changes where before the disciples and the Pharisees may have thought that they were against the world. They always thought, we are right and you are wrong and you're our enemies. And yet Jesus comes to earth and he changes the whole mindset and he says, hey, our commission, the will of my Father in heaven is that what is happening in his realm would happen here on earth. That's the plan. That's what He wants. And do you know, guys, that God wants to do it through each and every one of you. No matter what your age, no matter what your background, no matter what your talents are, it doesn't matter what you have. Like the little boy, when Jesus was teaching 5,000 people, the little boy who had a little packed lunch, five loaves and three fish, that's all he had. But he gave it to Jesus. How many fish? Two. Just two. Thank you. I thought it was two. I was just, I'm a bit optimistic, so I always uh, err on more. The little boy that had five loaves of bread and two fish. 5,000 people. He just offers it to Jesus, and Jesus multiplies it. A lot of you may think, James, I don't have what it takes. I'm not like you. I can't talk in front of people. I'm not confident when I'm talking to people. It's not about that. It's not, about, it's not about what you have. It's about what He 
wants to do through you. It's about Him empowering you. The question is, are you just going to rest in Him and let Him do it? The little boy didn't have to strive. The little boy that came and brought the five loaves and two fish to Jesus didn't have to go, Oh, Jesus, I really hope this is enough. I really hope that this multiplies. Please multiply. And, he was, and while Jesus was offering up the bread and the fish, Jesus, uh, the little boy was behind Jesus going, Please multiply. Please let this be enough. Please, 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 please. I guarantee that little boy was just standing there like, watching. That's all he wants. He wants you to give it to him, give your lives to him, and that's what this conference is all about. This conference is about us as young people uniting together for one cause that stand and say, Jesus, here we are. We give our lives to you, and we're going to stand back over the next couple of years, and we're just going to be like, and see, we're going to look back and be like, whoa, I didn't know that I had that in me. I didn't know that I was capable of that. Jesus did. You know, Jesus didn't know that there were five loaves and two fish in the crowd. He asked. He said, what do you guys have to eat? He didn't know. He wanted to see what people would give him. And I tell you what, God is waiting to see what you're going to give him. He's waiting for you to just say, yo, here I am, God. This is it. This is where I am. For the rest of my life, use me. And that's what this conference is about. Uh, Andrew's got my Bible. Wondering where it went. So the second session should be starting now. Only people who knew the schedule laughed at that. The rest of you weren't listening to Jason, obviously. <laughs> I'm kidding. We'll, we'll, we'll um, just shift it and move it around. Obviously, because of uh, we wanted to see who was going to come through, we're just waiting to see what time people were going to come, and then we'd start um, whenever it would work. The comments from the peanut gallery are coming fast and thick, brother. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's what, that's what this conference is about. This conference is about realizing what it is that Jesus has called you as a young person on this earth. This isn't, this isn't about one day I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to say, Jesus, was my life good enough? Can I, can I make it into heaven? No, it's not about that. As I'm going to share and as you're going to see... I believe that God, God's more interested in how much of His realm you're going to bring to earth than He is about whether you're going to get into His realm one day. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that if you are in Christ, you are seated in heavenly places already. You are seated, in, you are seated with Him in heaven. If a man is in Christ, he has, God has raised him up and has seated him in heaven already. So if you're in Christ, my friend, you're in heaven already. When you die, all that happens is, you'll become more aware of where you already are. Follow what I'm saying? 
So that's what this conference is about. This conference is about trying to make sure you're right with God so that one day you'll make it to heaven. This conference is about trying to show you who you already are so that we can bring transformation to this city, to this nation. I believe we are coming into a day where the church, the church being the people of God, you and I, the people who are hungry, the people who are desperate just to say, God, it's all you. It's all you in and through me. I believe you've called me to change the world. When those people are rising up, I believe we're in a day when it's going to get so numerous, so massive, that they are literally going to invade every area of society, every part of it, from government to entertainment to education, engineering, science. They're going to take every single area of society. We're going to find people like you and I at the top levels of those places, in the United Nations, in the, the CEOs of the top oil companies, of the top mining companies. But how? This is great, James. You're dreaming. This is I really hear all your dreams and what you and, and how excited you are. And you're such a passionate guy. You know, people often say to me, they're like, James, you're so passionate. It's so easy just to dream like that. It's so easy to talk, talk, talk. But how? You know, pe how many of you guys know those kind of people? You come up with this idea, like, you know, I'm going to invent a coffee maker that makes coffee automatically in the morning without you having to push a button. And you like get this great idea and you're like, whoa, this is going to be so cool. And then you tell your mom, or your dad, or whoever. And they're like, oh, yeah? How? And you're like, I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to do it. I'll figure it out. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. You don't need to know how. But anyway, I believe we do have a key to a how. But a lot of people say to me, James, you're such a big dreamer. You've got, so, you've got so many ideas. You've got so many dreams. How? How, brother? How? How? Well, actually, it's easy. This is how. Jesus said I can. That's it. It's as simple as that. And when we believe that, guys, when you get this in your heart as a young person, when you get this in your heart, nothing will stand in your way. Nothing is going to stop you because you're going to know whose side you're on. You're going to know who's in you. The scripture tells us that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We don't even begin to understand that. We don't even begin to grasp that. We're all like afraid of listening to worldly music and watching movies because it may affect our spirituality. But what about the truth that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? That's the truth. And I believe that truth is going to so grip our hearts that we're going to be able to go into the darkest places, the, the, the darkest realms and areas of society which have so long been forsaken by Christians. Where the Christians have said, no, that's not, for, the Christians shouldn't even think about those places, let alone go there. We are going to invade those places because we're going to know who we are and who we have living inside of us. Alright, so I want to show you a verse that, is the, that encapsulates everything that I want to say over the next 
however many sessions. We'll see what God wants to do. Okay. Romans 4.13. Now the book of Romans, let me just say, is um, it's a book that in essence describes the gospel. It almost describes the whole history and it almost explains Christianity. If you want to understand Christianity, read Romans. Because Paul was writing to a very new church in an area in Rome that, hadn't, that wasn't even populated by the Jews. Because at that stage, most of Christianity was, um, were converted Jews. And this place was a very small stronghold, if you like. It was like... Um, it was like, how can I put it? It was like, uh, I mean, if you wanted to put it in political terms, um, Joburg is an ANC stronghold, right? And it was like the IFP were trying to get some information to their little crowd in Joburg. You know, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? No, you guys aren't into politics. Okay. That's a, for the wrong crowd. That's, that's more for an older crowd. Okay. Never mind. But Romans encapsulates what the gospel, what the good news is all about. You guys know that the gospel isn't music. The gospel isn't a type of music. The gospel isn't a channel. One gospel. It's not a channel. The gospel is not a type of video genre. The gospel means good news. The good news of what Jesus did for you and who he made you to be and what he wants to do in and through you here and now. Not one day pie in the sky when I die. But in and through you now. That is good news. The gospel is good news. And Romans gives you a full on description of the good news. All right? And in this verse, Paul, the writer, talks about Abraham. And I'm going to tell you why he talks about Abraham. But let's read this verse together. Alright, check it out. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise. That he, What was that promise? That he would be heir of the world. That he would be heir of the world. So it wasn't through law that Abraham received that promise. But through the righteousness that comes by faith. James, what does that mean? I don't understand. What are you talking about? Well, firstly, we need to understand that Abraham was the founder of the Jewish people. Okay? And the Jewish people were God's chosen people. And the people that had converted to Christianity in those days, most of them were Jews. So a lot of them knew the history of who Abraham was, how the Jewish people came to be. Abraham was their hero. Abraham was their father. In many ways that we would say Nelson Mandela is the father of South Africa. Abraham was even greater than what Nelson Mandela is to this country. Abraham was to the Jews and still is to the Jews. But not only to the Jews, to us as well. So Abraham was a big deal. But now why was Abraham a big deal? Here's why. God promised Abraham. He said, 
Abraham, I am going to make you an heir of the world. You guys know what an heir is? You are going to inherit the world. And you know what Abraham did? He believed. He said, okay. He didn't go, okay God, what must I do? Okay God, tell me how to do this. He just believed it. Okay God, I believe. I believe that. That's what you want to do in and through me. And so this verse is saying, it's not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. That faith, he believed. You see, a lot of the church, the early church, believed that to be blessed, to inherit the land they had been given, to inherit the world, they had to do a whole bunch of stuff. In this case, they believed they had to obey a whole bunch of laws. They had to obey the Ten Commandments. And how well they obeyed the Ten Commandments is how well they would be blessed. According to how well they had obeyed, how well they had kept the list of commandments, is how much they would inherit the world. But here Paul's saying, no, it wasn't through the law. You've got to understand, it wasn't by their performance. It wasn't by Abraham's performance. It wasn't by how much he could prove to God that he was worthy. It was by simply believing. It was by simply receiving the fact that God had chosen him and in his eyes deemed him to be right with him. And by simply believing that truth, he was qualified. To take, literally take over the world. You know that Abraham was one of the most, if not the most blessed people on the planet when he lived and when he died. When this promise came to him, thanks Jace, you can take that off bro. When this promise came to him, he was an average kind of guy. He had a good couple of flocks, couple of sheep, couple of goats, couple of tents. He was he was a you know the average guy. Promise came to him. He believed the promise. God said, "Okay, now you need to go into that land. Uproot yourself from this land because I'm giving you that land. That is a good land. You see that land out there?" I want you to look at that land. It was literally God was showing him the most fertile ground in, in the country. And God was saying, I'm giving you that land. Now go. And Abraham believed. And then as he acted on his faith, God started to bless him. And by the time he died, he was one of the wealthiest people on the planet. Now, I want you to understand this gospel, this good news, it's not about being wealthy. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. It's, I'm not saying, you guys are going to be so rich, you're going to be so blessed, you won't know what to do with it. I honestly, I honestly believe that believing this gospel is part of that. God will provide for you supernaturally. Supernaturally. I really do believe that. And many people will be so rich that they won't know what to do with it. But they will because God gave it to them. They'll know where that money is supposed to go. But it's not about... It's not about being wealthy. 
what this gospel is doing, it's raising up people who are bringing about transformation in society. That's what it's doing. You see, so coming back to what Jesus said, he says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what you should pray. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Right? He then goes to the cross and he dies. And the people that were the people that were following Jesus, the people that were trusting their lives, they believed that Jesus was the person who was going to transform the world. They thought, this is it. He's going to turn everything inside out and upside down. This is it now. Here we go. What Jesus is going to do is it. Everything we've been waiting for, right? He then goes and he dies in front of their eyes. He gets buried and put in a grave. The disciples get so bummed that most of them go back... To their jobs. They're just like, we gave up everything. We gave up our boats. We gave up, we just left everything. And we went and followed this guy for three years. Now he's dead. And off they went fishing. Peter went and fished and said, well, I guess that's it, guys. We tried, we hoped. How many of you guys have been in that situation? How many of you guys have been in a situation where you felt like you heard from God. You felt like, man, I know this is what God has called me to do. This is what God wants me to do. And you step out and you do it and you are giving it your everything. You believe God is going to bless this thing. God is going to do the most incredible things through what you believe He's called you to do. And then you just feel like nothing happened. You went out and you did it. And all of a sudden, you look and it's like, but God, where are you in this moment? Where are you, Lord? The disciples were so confused. Then, three days later, they have an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, the new Jesus, a new person. The person, can I tell you this? The person who Jesus always was. Jesus was always like that resurrected Lord. Here's why. Because when he took on flesh, he took on you and I. He took on us. He took our place. Jesus was always able to walk through walls. Jesus was always able to be from one place to here. Jesus was always able to just rise up into the clouds. Always. He was always... Don't think... Guys, don't think that Jesus, when he was born, was when he was created. Jesus is God. He was never created. He's always been around. And when those disciples saw Jesus as the resurrected Jesus, they saw him for who he really was. And then guess what he says to them? Matthew 28. Can we have um, on open song? Matthew 28 and verse 18. You got it. Okay. And Jesus came. We've got King James Version there, bro. Most of these people are under the age of 25, and they'll be like, sorry, you lost me after the third word. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them. Any English studiers here who know what spake meant or means? Said, well done. Wow. Wow. How did you figure that out, Jace? Oh, well done. Eh? Good. So, so Jesus rises from the dead, rises from the grave three days later. The disciples think, I'm confused. What happened? And, but he rises again. Now they're probably even more confused. They're like, okay, you died. Now you're alive. Why do you have to die? You, you, I want you guys to understand this. Just because the disciples saw Jesus, because they walked with Jesus face to face, person to person, doesn't mean that they knew his whole plan. Even when he was about to go up to heaven, they said, okay, okay, so, so Jesus, now are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? And Jesus is like, don't worry about that. Right now I've got something else to do. All right, Forget about that. They still didn't get it. But anyway, I'm going to get into all this. So, they see Jesus resurrected in His glory. They've been wondering, where were you? Why did you even die? And this is what He goes and says to them. He blows their minds. And they, and they must have been even more confused after this. He says, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. How much? How much? All authority. In where? Heaven and all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Next verse. Therefore. Do you know what therefore means? Therefore means... Because of what I've just said, because of those earlier phrases, I now want to give you something. Because of that, this is what I'm doing. He's joining what he's just said and he's giving it to us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now we think, make disciples of all nations. <clears throat> okay, that's a really good verse. Now we need to go and make disciples of all nations. That means at school, <coughs> excuse me, I need to make disciples of my throat. Now I won't have a horse because then I won't be able to talk. We think, okay, make disciples of all nations means we need to get into the schools and we need to start alpha courses and get as many people around us and then we're going to disciple them so that they can become good disciples. Now, I'm not against the alpha course. The alpha course is one of the most amazing courses that changes lives around the world. And I'm not against discipling people. But we get this picture that to rightfully obey Jesus, we need to go to our friends and teach them the one, two, three about how to be a good Christian and make them a good disciple. 
Do you know what a disciple means? Do you know what it means to disciple? Disciple just means to show the way. When Jesus discipled his disciples, all he was doing was showing them the way of how they should be operating, of how they should be living. But now notice this part. This part will blow your mind. Look at... Okay, it's not there. Make disciples of all nations. Do you notice that it doesn't say make disciples in the nations? We've always thought, okay, we've got to go and do an alpha course in every country in the world. And then we've obeyed Jesus. Jesus, we've done an alpha course in every single country. And then Jesus is like, ah, but... North Korea just split, and now there's a new country there. So you've got to go and start an alpha course in that country. They are now called East Korea. Haha. <laughs> Darn it! It doesn't say make disciples in the nations. It actually says, show the way. Make disciples, show the way of all nations. Of the nations. Our job, the call of Jesus to us as his people, as his bride, is to actually show the way to every nation. We are literally being positioned like chess pieces in the glorious work of God in these days to literally show the way to every nation, to every area of society. All nations are going to be shown the way by the sons and daughters of God. But now here's the thing. Okay, i tell you what. We're going to take a quick tea break. It's 25 past 11. So I'm halfway through what I want to share. Okay? The new covenant. I haven't even got into the new covenant. Jeez, I'm, uh, I'm all over the place here. But we're going to get into the new covenant in the, in the, in the second and last session of, of the day, uh, of the morning. All right? So the disciples... We're expecting Jesus to do all the work. Do you understand that? If you read the Gospels, throughout the Gospels, they kept looking to Jesus, saying, Jesus, please, are you going to, can I be the greatest in the kingdom? Are you going to restore the kingdom? No, you're not going to die. Peter even says to Jesus, you're not going to die. I, re I rebuke you. You're not going to die. It actually, Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, uh, Peter pulled Jesus aside and rebuked him. And said, you're not going to die, Jesus. I will never let that happen to you. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. For you have not the things of God in your mind, but the things of man. You see, the disciples kept looking to Jesus as he was going to do all the work. But then Jesus dies, rises again, and then he gives it to us. And he says, you go and make disciples of all nations. Bah! And off he goes to heaven. That's what he does. Okay, so now what? Now what? And the disciples are like, and they're like freaking out. They're looking in the clouds. Jesus has gone up to heaven. And now what? And these angels come down. These angels manifest in front of them. And they're like, don't look to the clouds. Don't worry. In fact, why don't, I'm just going to read it very quickly because I haven't read that verse in a while. So these angels just manifest. 
and they say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus. You see, here's what I believe happened. The angels manifested in front of them and said, Don't worry. It's going to be okay. Jesus will come back. That's okay. And then they're like, Okay, guys, we're not meant to worry. So they go up to the upper room and they start praying. And they're like, Okay, God, what must we do? I guarantee the reason they went and prayed is because they were like, Okay, what now, God? What now? They waited. And they waited. And they waited. And then, then we see something strange in the, in the, new, in the book of the, the Bible, in the, in the New Testament. We see that 70% of the New Testament is written by a man who didn't even walk with the person of Jesus. Are we even reading the right Bible? So this doesn't make sense. The, the dots aren't being joined together. I don't understand. God took a man who God took a man named Paul who wasn't confused. He had to do something completely fresh, something completely new and reveal what Jesus really wanted to do. He revealed the whole gospel. I'm going to leave you with this verse. Galatians, Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to leave you with this verse. Then we're going to have a tea break. We're going to come back. We're going to find out, okay, James, you've said all that for what? What about me? What about now? Galatians chapter 1. And verse 11 and 12. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. Check this out. I want you to know, brothers, this is now Paul. I want you to understand, guys. Paul, Paul didn't walk with the person of Jesus, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul wasn't around. He was a little 17-year-old, 16-year-old kid who was fishing or doing whatever. He didn't even know who Jesus was. And now he's saying this about 20, 30 years later. This is what he's saying. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. No man taught me what I know. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I even taught it. No one even taught it to me. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. You see, could it be that the disciples had been tainted by Jewish tradition? The disciples had been tainted by always expecting something else. And God said, okay, I'm going to do something new, something completely different. And I'm going to reveal this gospel to 
this man Saul. The person who is persecuting my church, the very person who wants to wipe me out, I'm going to reveal what this gospel is all about to this man. And he downloads supernatural revelations that blow minds, even to this day, when the revelation comes on, minds are blown. And he downloads what we understand today to be the new covenant. 